1: This week, Kate and I are continuing with the paper entitled Veterinary Physiotherapy for Back Pain in the Horse by Gillian Tabor. Uh, This is a July 2022 paper, so it just is hot off the press. And last week, we talked more about the role of the veterinary physiotherapist and what they do and now this week we're going to talk about the actual treatments that they recommend far back pain in the horse. And Kate and I mentioned, you know, there's a lot of back pain in horses, uh, basically the um, from use. I mean, there's a lot of back pain in riders and in human athletes as well. So um, it's a concern for owners, but the good news is there's a lot of different treatments that do seem to work. So um, the first thing I wanted to go over is the assessment that the physiotherapist will make and we said that began with the thorough history um, looking at the behavior of the horse observing the confirmation even the shape of the back whether there's um oh sway back or epaxial muscle impingement and then you watch their gait Um, you can do that lunging or riding and then you pick out the lameness Um, also one thing they mentioned is hoof balance a lot of times hind end lameness or uh, back pain is because of long toes on the hind end uh, feet of a horse and so You know, get your eyes really used to assessing hoof shape, hoof angles, and and what seems to work better for the horse and that horse's conformation. And then also their saddle fit, that is um, one of the causes of back pain. And then also, we did an episode. Um, on carrot stretches or baited stretches and how that improved the back and the um, abdominal muscles of a horse and the posture, the overall posture, I think improved in like three weeks. So check out that episode. And then uh, the next thing was soft tissue palpation and they had a grade of it from one to five where um, they assessed whether the uh, musculature had a soft, low tone, so wasn't too firm. And then you had normal, and then you had increased muscle tone, but it wasn't painful. And then increased muscle tone with pain was graded a three. And then very painful with spasms was a four. And then uh, spasms where the ears were laid back and the horse was clearly in pain was a grade five. And then the last thing was to educate owners how to assess this. So one of the first modalities is manual therapy. Kate, have you ever had any experience? with massage or myofascial release with horses or even with dogs
0: yeah but mostly with horses to be honest mm-hmm. um my mare
1: when we were younger would have had a lot of back
0: pain and in the end it was actually the tack that was one of the main causes of it while it was well fitting it was a very heavy saddle um unnecessarily heavy really and the girth wasn't a good choice. And Nancy and I have done a whole episode on girths as well. So definitely take a look at that if you're concerned. So the saddle was well fitting, but it was the weight of the saddle, kind of the style of the saddle didn't suit her either. Um, and she had some back pain, and we had a physio come out and do work with her. And a big part of that then was follow up care where we had to do this kind of massage to release those back muscles and she used to get very tense um and very sore and it was just a lot of rest uh pain relief and physiotherapy and the stretching that nancy mentioned using baited stretching we used carrots with b um and we had her doing these different neck flexions and between the front legs to stretch her back and i think that's something that is greatly overlooked because that's something that we probably should be doing regularly with our horses regardless. Um, It's definitely something that's overlooked in humans. You should be stretching every single day, stretching your muscles and stretching your body. And you will not realize the benefits until you do it for a couple of weeks and the change. You know, if you can't touch your toes right now, start stretching and in a couple of weeks time, you'll be able to do that. And you'll notice you sleep better. Everything's more comfortable. Movement is more fluid. And when we're asking horses a lot of the time in ridden exercises to gather themselves. So to kind of, you know, create that carriage where they're holding their weight and they have a nice rounded bum and, you know, their head is in a rounded position. We need to watch out after to kind of do the opposite of what we've just made that muscle tense up into. Um, It's a lot of work as an owner. And we're going to get to kind of the owner part of this in this paper as well because I think it's a commitment, definitely. But I think if you could incorporate a couple of stretches or a nice massage, the massage could be once a week and you would see little differences, but you have to persevere because these are changes that take quite a lot of time to see. They're not quick fixes. And with physio as well, you're not going to have a physio show up for one appointment and that's your horse fix. It is an ongoing And treatment. So I don't think we mentioned that last week, you know, kind of setting your expectations. If you do have a horse with back pain, it's going to take a bit of work, but you can build them up. You can correct the tack, you can strengthen their core, strengthen their muscles, and then have a horse that's very comfortable and doesn't suffer from that
1: back pain anymore. Yeah. And you know, the one interesting thing is the manual therapy had the most evidence-based results in the scientific literature. So the massage and the myofascial release, actually there were a couple papers recent that showed evidence-based improvement and uh, Bielaski, 2018 was one in his paper or the research showed reduced pain and increase range of joint motion and then the pressure applied by the hands mechanically stimulates the mechanoreceptors in joints and soft tissues resulting in neuro physiological responses within the peripheral and central nervous system and he said these effects in his research are responsible for pain inhibition and the prevention of arthritic changes within a joint so I thought that was interesting out of all the modalities um, artificial like massage myofacial, electrical the uh, manual therapy had the most evidence-based results
0: yeah and I think it's true I mean we want to jump kind of for a quick fix and try and use you know other devices and there are um definitely benefits using things like laser and like TENS machines, which are the electrical stimulation machines.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: they serve an amazing purpose as well in creating muscle tone. I've seen TENS machines use quite a lot in small animals, but back to basics and just taking a bit of time, I think has such a massive impact. Um, and it's, I mean, even in myself, I noticed it's only... I've always had the tightest hamstrings and I feel like a lot of horse riders will <laughs> identify with that growing up because of that position. Mm-hmm. You know, your leg is just so set and that's your, you know, you're holding your core and supporting your weight kind of through your body. So you're not a sack of potatoes. Um, but you should really be doing yoga or Pilates or something to kind of counteract that positioning all day. And then I think we just don't, carry that over for our horses
1: as well that we need to stretch them out too you know Um, so stretching is it's just so underrated well and um the manual therapy they recommended it for like articular neural and muscular systems and I tell you what I love the foam rollers because I Mm -hmm. have tight hamstrings too especially trimming horses and you're bent over and oh my god the tight hamstrings pulls on that lower back muscle so the minute I recognize I'm starting to get lower back pain I touch the ground you know and until yeah. my my legs are straight and most of the time i start out and they're bent but yeah uh, stretching pilates yoga you're so right it does help. And then it helps you in the saddle as well. Um, and then the electrophysical therapies, even the low level laser, there's a study that came out in 2020 Hauser et al. And it was shown to reduce epaxial muscle hypertonicity and trunk stiffness in the horses with back pain so that one had some evidence-based and the reason I'm looking for more evidence-based research on these modalities is we did have an email from Christine and I'm going to read it for you guys Uh, she said uh, I enjoy your podcast and have learned a lot I was wondering if you have read or heard about studies done on the effectiveness of PEMF slash MagnaWave therapy. Thank you. So the PEMF is the Pulsed Electromagnetic Field Therapy, and um, it's been trialed. In research, but varying results. There's nothing that sticks out that says it works according to the research. However, um, owners and physiotherapists might think differently. It might be the type of therapy that's hard to measure. So I'm not saying it doesn't work. It's just um, a study came out um, Bierman et al that said he saw no improvement and then in King in 2022 King et al um, that research just came out and it saw a reduction in back pain and increased movement with a PEMF uh, beamer or beamer uh, apparatus and that's a bioelectromagnetic energy regulation therapy. So it is something that's done um, with the PEMF. So that is the newest research that says, now, wait a second, we're seeing results when it's done through the BAMER method. So I wanted to respond to her email. And that's one of the reasons we thought to do this Paper. Now, there's also um, therapeutic ultrasound, which they said more research is needed. What do you know about that, Kate? Any results that you've seen with that? I haven't seen
0: ultrasound being used therapeutically, but I have read briefly on it before. And um, just out of an interest in how ultrasound can be detrimental is actually where I came across it and not detrimental when we're using it as a muscle therapy, but it can be detrimental to over ultrasound. And I guess like the brief background of how I came across it as well was working as a practice manager. You know, it's highly illegal for a member of the veterinary team to ultrasound themselves. Um, And we just looked a little bit further into the background of why that is dangerous to the team. And it's because it produces a heat. So when it comes to gestation and pregnancies, we don't want to um, basically increase that heat and that um, pressure that they're under more than is necessary diagnostically. So that's why there's set um, ultrasound periods when during gestation, there's a certain number you have, and then you may need more depending on the pregnancy, um, but it does produce a heat and it, it does produce the heat through the tissue and that thermal effect is what um, ends up causing a therapeutic effect. So when we get heat into a muscle, we increase blood flow and we increase um, white blood cells, we increase kinds of healing action in that area too. I don't know how, compared to the others, how effective it really is, but in my experience, I haven't seen it used as much. So I wonder, you know, is it, you know, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Is it, that the ultrasound isn't as an effective a modality. So I haven't seen it used as much. Or is it that and people don't realize what it can do. So it's not being utilized and mm-hmm. potentially is effective. I know in this paper, they have said, and um, they documented some therapeutic effects with it. But more research kind of needed to go into that, especially with back pain. Yeah.
1: And um, then we talked about the electrical stimulation, like the Um, TENS, which is the what transcutaneous electrical nerve stimulation. And you've talked about that. I mean, there's really more research needs to be done on everything. But they do say that that does get movement in the spine. And sometimes Mm -hmm. with kissing spine, that's what you're kind of looking for. But I would tell people, discuss all these alternative therapies with your vet and with your physiotherapist, because, um, you know, I mean, not every, I guess, case is going to be individual. So I think just do your research and I don't think you can go wrong with first attacking the pain that the horse is feeling. uh, Treat that and try to get through that and then get the exercise going. And that'll be our next subject is the exercise modalities. And for me, I just love ground pole work and gymnastic work. And I would tell people, if your horse's back pain is such that you don't want to ride them, don't forget about long lining because it's one of my favorite things to do. I, and I even do it with an older horse to help her epaxial muscles. And, um, you know, so don't forget about long lining. It's kind of a dying art.
0: And even some loose ring work as well.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just
0: about not stressing the horse out. If the horse has never done loose ring work before, then maybe just kind of build them up to it. So They're, you know, positively reinforce what you're doing with them. But I think people forget, you know, lunging is that option. I think a lot of the time my concept of lunging back when I was rising was oh, you would lunge a horse that was very fresh before you would ride them to try and, you know, just get rid of a little bit of beans and you're less likely to kind of get, you know, taken for a spin or bucked when. When you've got small kids up on a horse and it's, the horses had the winter off, and gosh, spring used to be such a dangerous time when you look back on it, when riding school would start up again. But I'm um, definitely such, such a useful one. The poles on the ground, they have so many benefits. And I think from doing riding school, I kind of had it in my head that it was like a baby exercise. You know, trotting poles. It's something that we didn't really do as much of once we got to a point where we were doing more advanced and um, dressage work and things like that. And I know it is a big part of dressage and competitive dressage and would be part of those training regimes. But this is like low level riding school. You know, we just wanted to go in for an hour, and the lesson consisted of doing certain movements and um, that were probably more complex for us to ask the horse to do and for the horses to be able to build up to and then to do kind of some jumping and things like that. So using trotting poles um, and even walking poles, you you don't realize how that really builds on the horse, picking up the feet and carrying themselves a little bit better.
1: Yeah, and they do say in this that weight shift exercises and baited dynamic mobilizations in standing and in-hand exercises uh, with circles and turns. Research has shown that when used as a part of a rehabilitation plan, these exercises resulted in improved postural stability and increased multi-fitus cross-sectional area improvement and that's ellis and king 2020 so exercise whether it's ground poles um you know doing the baited stretches um a little bit of lunging but try not to do it on too tight of a circle especially um if you know, the horse is going to kind of be bucking and things like that, you might end up doing a little more damage. But uh, long line in in even liberty work would be highly recommended. And they said, if you can't do that, turn out, turn them out, let them move. Movement is everything
0: um and I think you can kind of utilize that in the fields a little bit more again using that bathing technique so Mm -hmm. if they are getting feed and they're in a position where they're turned out on their own spreading that along a little bit you know not just leaving one bucket down for them getting them to move but typically once you turn them out we get that grazing and they will do that low and long movement which is really important to stretch out their
1: back Yep. And they did say lunging creates multi-directional forces and asymmetric uh, longissimous dorsi activity. So, um, you know, it could create fatigue and damage weak tissue. So if that's the case, you don't have a lot of control, keep your session short and uh, long reining or hand walking might be preferable preferable so it's individual so do your research use um, your knowledge of your horse in determining the prescription for that rehab exercise and work with that your physiotherapist to get the right mix for your particular horse your individual
0: and if you are going to ride your horse and your horse does a back pain getting a physiotherapist that's qualified to treat humans as well as animals is really the absolute key because you do need to have your riding examined. You need to have your um, stance and confirmation, I guess, examined as well and to make sure that you're carrying yourself properly and it's not a consequence of the way you're riding that's causing the back pain. And I mentioned that briefly last week. If you have a propensity to favor one side, then your weight is not going to be evenly distributed on the horse either. Um, And this sometimes goes unnoticed because we over tighten girths. So you're not going to have any saddle slipping that's going to indicate you're not balancing your weight. You're just going to be causing more of a problem by creating pain underneath and behind the elbows as well as in the back.
1: Yep, that's a good point. Because even on the racetrack, we we have tight girths because we need them coming out of a starting gate. So, but I wouldn't
0: want to be on a thoroughbred with a loose girth on a racetrack. (laughs)
1: I, in my pleasure riding, I tend to over-tighten. And I always remind myself, I don't have to cut the horse in half to, yeah. to be able to uh, you know have the saddle secure. So that's one thing I always have to remind myself because you get in the habit of tightening that girth in the paddock before you throw that jockey up. So I'm guilty of that. And then I wanted to say that is why I like the chartered physiotherapists because they're qualified to read the rider and the horse. And a lot of times rider um, asymmetries in their hips and pelvis affect how they communicate with the horse. And it does sometimes you both end up lopsided.
0: And I think that kind of goes back as well to a good point you made earlier, Nancy, about having the hooves checked regularly. And in ridden horses, they're obviously shaws. But there are different types of shoes, too, that can be utilized. So, you know, having a chat with your farrier and seeing what the best option is for your horse, too.
1: Yep, yep. And a lot of research out there. Make sure it's evidence-based and peer-reviewed. And be careful what articles you read, because sometimes, as we all know, the Internet doesn't always have accurate information. So um, talk to your vet and uh, be careful what you read.
0: Definitely. And if you are thinking about introducing stretches into your horse's regime, then research a chartered physiotherapist. Um, Even if you aren't in a position to actually pay for one to come out and do work with your horse, you will often find the good ones will have information on their website And they will have basic stretches and things like that available. So just be sure that you're not doing stretches you've seen just from anyone doing on YouTube, that you are following what a chartered physiotherapist has suggested is a safe all round stretch to do. And don't push it either. Like, Some people can wake up in the morning and they can touch their toes. I'm not one of those people. So, you know, your horse might not be able to bend its neck as far as they are in the video. Your goal is not for them to be as good as the horse in the video. Your goal is for them just to do light stretches a couple of times a week, and then you'll start to notice a difference after a period of time. But I really want to stress, like, this is something that I know it myself, like I take time to do six days a week. I do a half an hour of stretching and it took almost eight weeks to comfortably be able to put my fingers under my toes. Wow. Um, and as Nancy said, you know, like you start with bent knees and you eventually get to straight. But that was eight weeks of being really committed six times a week. So just lots of time is important. I know we're always rushing for the finish line and a lot of things we do. But this is to kind of create a lifelong improvement for your horse. So it's something you're going to continue to do after um, they reach that point as well.
1: Yeah, and I will say I talked about a long yearling that had a head tilt that we were training. And uh, some of the modalities we used um, were the exercise. And we did hill work. We did a lot of trail riding with that horse. We stayed away from round pen work. And um, over time, um, a lot of jogging on the training track, both directions, and most of the time trying to use a loose rein and correcting that head tilt. Now, when he did run He still had a little bit of a head tilt and wanted to kind of blow the turn, uh, slightly wanted to get out, I should say. And we used a um, a splicer bit on that horse. And that's more jaw pressure rather than mouth pressure. So those were the modalities we put together uh, to help him overcome that head tilt. He had some cervical damage from hitting the base of his skull on a beam in his stall so um it was uh kind of a a bad injury for a young horse but we were able to get him through it and like Kate suggested we took time
0: yeah definitely slow and steady when it comes to physiotherapy and do get you know get a chartered accredited physiotherapist advice um they really are invaluable when it comes to our ridden horses because I suppose you know this paper has mentioned that every horse at some point is going to need that help and support and every human can definitely benefit from it as well Mm
1: -hmm. absolutely and I want to thank Christine for the email because that's what kind of made me get into the research of this and um you know um Keep sending in the research requests because it's keeping us busy and keeping us uh, engaged with this podcast. So thanks so much, everybody, for listening and for supporting us. And um, thanks, Nancy. Talk to you next week. All right. Thanks, Kate. Bye bye.
0: Take care.